Castle, episode number 53, for May 19th, 2009. Welcome to Podcastle. I'm Aiden Lecky Harry. So, oatmeal cookies, one of the easiest cookies I know how to make. Well, if I'm going too fast for you, or if you forget things really easily, you can rewind this and play the recipe again, or you can type it down while I'm talking. Okay, take one cup of flour, one half teaspoon of baking soda, a half cup of brown sugar, Actually, the recipe I work from says a half cup, but I almost always put in a cup or more. A half cup of white sugar and a cup of oatmeal. Mix all that together. This is actually supposed to make a mix that you put in a pretty jar and give someone for a present with directions. I've never done that. Here's the directions. Preheat your oven to 350. You've already got a mixing bowl full of dry ingredients. So now add one stick of melted butter, an egg, and a teaspoon of vanilla. Mix that all together. Then make one inch balls of dough, put them on cookie sheets, and bake them for five to seven minutes. In my oven, for some reason, they take closer to nine minutes. This is one of the easiest cookie recipes I know of, and it's perfect for a cold or rainy day excuse to turn on the oven. It doesn't get a lot of dishes dirty, especially if you use silicone mats or parchment paper on your cookie sheets. And it doesn't take long to bake the whole batch up, and then you have homemade cookies! Today's story is Change of Life by Kay Tempest Bradford. She lives in New York City where there are plenty of cafes to write in. Her fiction has appeared in the Interfictions Anthology, Farthing Magazine, and Strange Horizons. She's also the nonfiction editor for Fantasy Magazine. You can find out more about her at her website, tempest.fluidartist.com. It's read by M.A. and P.A., a 30-something geek single mom podcaster going about her life, trying to live by the motto, Better Late Than Never. You can find her podcast at betterlatethannever.libson.com. Change of Life by Kay Tempest Bradford It all started because I wanted a pet. All of us younger kids did. But Mom always said there wasn't room for any pets because there were so many kids. She had a point, I guess. There were nine of us. But then David, my oldest brother, left home when he was only 17 and a half to join the Peace Corps. Mom cried for three days straight. Dad said it was only because she was going through the change of life. The day after she stopped crying, there was a bunny in the living room. No cage, just a bunny. I guess Dad bought him hoping that it would cheer Mom up, and it did. She sat on the couch holding the bunny for hours and told us all that we had a new family member, David the Bunny. Catherine, my oldest sister, said that Mom named it David out of a sense of displacement or some other big word she liked to use just because she wanted to be a psychologist or a psychiatrist or some kind of person who messes with your head. I wasn't impressed. 
I wanted a dog. Having a bunny is boring because all it does is sit around all day and eat lettuce. Kind of like the real David, except he ate chips. A year after David left, Catherine graduated. And no matter how much my mom cried, Catherine wouldn't go to state college. She went all the way to New York instead. She didn't even stay the whole summer. Right after the 4th, she packed her stuff in her friend Naomi's ugly old van and they drove away. Mom cried for four days straight. On the fifth day, Dad brought home a kitten. Even though Mom hated cats, Dad said she would like this one because it had fur the same color as Catherine's hair. And we could name it Cat because that's what Mom liked to call Catherine, even though Catherine hated the name and made everyone call her Kate. But now Mom had Cat, and she loved Cat even though she hated cats and let her sleep on the bed, which annoyed my dad, but he couldn't say anything because then mom would cry again. I still wanted a dog. Mom was still sort of a mess for a long time after Catherine left, so when it was time for Junior and Chucky to go to college, they both chose places nearby. They're twins, but they didn't look like twins or act like twins. It's because Junior got named Junior. Actually, he was named Larry after my dad, but we call him Junior. And Chucky was named Charles after my dad's brother, who dad hates now, but didn't hate when Chucky was born. He hated him later. Catherine used to say that dad gave Chucky a complex by talking bad about Uncle Charles so much, calling him a thief and a liar. Dad liked Junior better, we could all tell, except Junior, who isn't really that smart anyway. Right after they started college, there was a big fight because Dad gave Junior money to buy books. He used it to buy clothes instead, then asked for more. But he wouldn't give Chucky any money because Dad said his school was more expensive. So Chucky got really mad, and there was a lot of screaming, and he finally stormed out, saying he was leaving for parts unknown, and the next day he was just gone, and we didn't know where he went. Mom threw a fit and blamed Dad for driving Chucky away and locked herself in the garage for I don't know how long before Dad finally talked her out. But she wouldn't speak to him for almost two months. By the end of the year, Junior had got kicked out of his college for bad grades. And because he always had bad grades, he really couldn't go anywhere else. So he signed up for the Army because they'll take anyone. The day after Junior went off to basic training, Mom took me and my little brothers Johnny and Benji to the pet store in the mall, supposedly to get food for Cat and bedding for David. And in the window, there were two puppies fighting and biting each other. And the pet store lady said they didn't get along and she was going to separate them. But it was such a shame because they came from the same litter. That day, I finally got a dog. Actually, two. We named the bigger one Junior and the littler one Chucky. My dad was mad, not only because we named one Junior, but because Chucky peed in his shoe. That night was when it started. Amber asked Mom where David was living now, and she told her that David was in the living room. Amber said, no, not the rabbit, I mean David, your son. And Mom said, yes, that's who I mean. He's in the family room. When he wasn't. My brother, that is. He was in some place called Sri Lanka. But Amber thought Mom was just being kooky, so she dropped the whole thing and asked Dad. That night at dinner, Mom said 11 places at the table. 
which we didn't need since there were only seven of us now. But I wasn't about to say anything because Mom was going through more of the change of life, according to Dad. And everything made her hot or made her cry. I really hated it when she cried. While we were all coming in for dinner, she brought David into the living room. The bunny David, not my brother, and set him in a chair. Then she brought Cat, Junior, and Chucky in, all sitting in chairs at the dinner table, looking just as confused as the rest of us were. When my dad came in, he looked at the animals around the table, and the rest of us just standing there. And even though Mom wasn't in the room, I could tell he knew she was the one that had put them there. Before he could say anything, Mom came in acting like nothing was unusual and set a big bowl of beef stew on the table. Junior and Chucky, who always fought and made a mess, jumped on the table trying to get at the beef stew. They knocked the salad bowl over onto David, who hopped onto Amber's lap and got dressing all over her favorite jeans, which made her start screaming so much she upset my baby sister Jensen, who's sensitive. So she started to cry, and Junior licked her face, but he had stew all over his, so it just made a mess. While my dad yelled at Chucky for spilling the rest of the stew on Johnny's head, while he was trying to crawl under the table to hide. And Mom kept telling everyone to sit down and be nice, and the whole time Cat just sat in her chair grooming herself and acting like she was above it all. So I shoved her. That night, we had McDonald's instead. Dad made Amber drive us there while he had the talk with Mom. When we came back home, they weren't speaking to each other again. It went on like that for a long time. At first, they kept fighting over the animals and how Mom was treating them like they were people. Whenever Catherine or David or Junior would call on the phone, she would never speak to them because she said they weren't on the phone. They were in the house. Pretty soon, we stopped trying. Right about then, Amber stopped coming straight home after school, so I had to do a bunch of her chores after I did mine. I hate doing chores. Not only did I have to do all the regular stuff, but I had to clean up after two messy dogs, a cat, and a bunny. I asked my mom why David and Junior and Cat and Chucky couldn't wash the dishes and dust and vacuum and iron, and her face went all blank and she didn't talk for three straight hours. So I stopped asking stuff like that. Then one day, Amber didn't come home at all, and we called the police and all of her friends, and finally, Dad made her best friend Elizabeth tell him what happened. Turns out Amber had been seeing a boy, actually some old guy named Ken, and they went to Las Vegas or Kentucky or someplace where they could get married, and then they were going to live in some hippie community in the desert or something in Arizona. This time, Mom didn't cry or lock herself in the garage or anything. She just went out to the mall and came home with a parrot. She didn't have to tell us. We knew her name was Amber. It was right about then I noticed something was wrong. I mean, more wrong than my mom spoon-feeding oatmeal to a parrot. David and Catherine and Junior didn't call anymore, ever. And when I tried to call David and Catherine to tell them what I wanted for my birthday, they didn't answer their phones. Then, a week later, David's girlfriend Dana called to say he was gone. And Dad was like, what do you mean, gone? And she said that he had just disappeared. 
He was in some country like Nigeria or whatever when he stopped writing and calling her. And when she called looking for him, the people said he wasn't there anymore and didn't know where he'd went. He was just gone. My dad was real upset and was trying to tell my mom, but she kept insisting that David was in the family room, and then they got in a fight and weren't speaking again. Two days later, Catherine's boyfriend Greg called and said that she had disappeared too. She stopped going to her job and wouldn't pick up her phone, and when he went to her apartment, there was no one there, but all of her stuff was still around. So then my dad, who was really freaked out, freaked out even more and called the hospitals and the police and all of her friends and lots of other people in New York for two whole days. Mom acted like nothing was wrong and even told me she thought Dad was unbalanced because Cat was right there in the house. I thought they were both crazy, and I tried to keep Johnny and Jensen and Benji calm, but I knew it wasn't long before something really bad happened. And I was right. Two days after Greg called, these army guys showed up at the door looking for Junior because they said he was AWOL. When they asked if we knew where Junior was, my mom said, well, yes, he's right here, and pointed to Junior the dog, which made the army guys look at her funny. But my dad stepped in and said, no, we hadn't heard from Junior in a long time, but we would call them if we did. Just after they left, a beat-up old car pulled into the driveway, and this really dirty-looking guy with long hair got out and stormed onto the porch and started screaming at Dad that he knew we had kidnapped Amber and that we had no right, and they were married, and he wanted to see his wife. He and Dad yelled at each other for so long that the cops came and took the dirty guy away, but he kept saying he would come back and find Amber, and we couldn't keep her from him, and all the while Mom was hiding in the bedroom with Amber, the bird, and kept saying to her, I won't let him take you away. No one will ever take you away. Over and over. That night, my dad was a total mess. Mom wouldn't come out of their room, and every time I tried to talk to him about what was going on, he would just say, yes, sure, whatever. So I finally stopped. Johnny was being a brat and asking Dad if he could have money for a video game and got $80 out of his wallet. I yelled at him, but then I took some too, because I had a feeling that everyone had forgotten about my birthday anyway. Dad didn't even notice. I realized at this point the real David and Catherine and Junior and Amber, and probably Chucky, had disappeared because of Mom's weird animal thing, but I didn't know how to make it stop. I figured just telling Mom what was going on wouldn't help. I mean, that's what Dad did all the time, and it never got him anywhere. And I was afraid to really prove to her that the animals weren't people, because it might make her face go all blank again. But if Jensen or Benji or Johnny happened to be somewhere and Mom couldn't find them, they might end up as guinea pigs or something. So I started thinking, what do moms want more than their kids to stay kids? Catherine used to say that mom would feel better about her and David leaving when David had a kid because mom was born to be a grandma. All that fussing and energy and stuff had to be good for something. So I called up Miss Carter from down the street. She's the same age as mom, and she's always bragging about stuff, like her nice house and her nice clothes and her nice kids. And the last time I saw her, she had a baby and was telling some other lady on our street that it was her new grandson, 
and she was going to look after him during the day, because her no-good daughter-in-law had some job she'd rather do than raise her baby. She was more than happy to come down to see Mom and bring the baby, because I told her it might cheer Mom up. But I know she was thinking that she would make Mom feel bad because she didn't have any new grandsons of her own. When Miss Carter showed up, I brought Mom down to the living room, and she didn't seem upset at all, but just kept petting Cat and looking really creepily happy. Miss Carter didn't waste any time. She started talking about how sorry she was that David and Catherine and Junior and Amber were missing, and no one knew where Chucky was anyway. And Mom couldn't even get a word in edgewise about how they weren't missing because Miss Carter just kept talking, like I knew she would and tickling the baby and saying what a joy it was to have grandchildren. And how she would have many more because her daughter just got married too, and what a lovely ceremony it was, and how she wore a peach ensemble from Tiffany's, and so Mum wasn't even trying to talk. She just kept staring at the baby and getting this really weird look on her face. Then Miss Carter really nailed it by asking if David was getting married, or going to get married, or thinking about children, and Mom kind of blinked. So I said, well, he and his girlfriend were going to get married and have been trying to have a baby for a while, but I guess they can't now because David isn't with her or anything. Miss Carter said something about what a shame it was while Mom looked over at David the bunny. Then Miss Carter noticed him and said, oh, isn't he adorable? And I said, yeah, but he got fixed because, you know, bunny babies. Oh, of course, dear, Miss Carter said in a really snotty way, like I'm four years old or something. Bunny babies aren't as welcome as real babies. And then she got all involved in playing with her grandson, and Mom was just staring at David, and I knew I had her. Miss Carter spent some more time bragging before she finally said she had to go off to a play date. Like it was some really exciting thing to go watch a bunch of babies drool on themselves. I mean, the way she flounced out of here, you'd think she was on her way to some fancy party. Whatever. After she was gone, I went back into the living room, and there was Mom staring at the bunny and petting Cat so hard I thought she would go bald or something. She said, I have to let them go, don't I, Carol? And I told her, yeah. Her eyes were all blank and scary, but she opened up the cage and took David out and went to the front door and put him down on the ground with Cat, and they just looked around and didn't go anywhere. Then she went and got Junior and Chucky and shooed them to the front door. Junior and Chucky chased David away, but Cat just sat there grooming herself until Mom brought Amber to the door and let her fly off. Then Cat chased her down the street. Mom closed the door and took a deep breath and was about to say something when there was a knock. When she opened the door, there was Chucky, the real Chucky, holding a duffel bag and looking really, really confused. Mom hugged him tight, and I hugged him too, because I missed him and thought maybe he had brought me a present. He said he had come home to apologize, but something weird had happened, and he didn't even know what day it was. And no, he didn't have a present for me. Pretty soon, we started getting calls from David and Catherine and Junior and Amber, and they were all fine, but also confused. My dad didn't care where they went or why. He just cried a lot on the phone and was happy they were okay. He even made up with Chucky and promised him he would pay for him to go back to school. Everyone did forget my birthday, but I let it slide. I still had Dad's money anyway. 
Some of the animals even came back. Junior showed up the next day completely dirty and pitiful, but okay. Cat came back three days later and didn't even act like she had been gone, just sauntered in the back door while I was carrying groceries. Chucky even decided to show up after a week. We never saw David or Amber again, though. So stuff is back to normal. Except now, Mom keeps asking everyone when she's going to have grandchildren, and Dad rolls his eyes and tells her to stop pestering them, but she doesn't. No one talks about what happened. Or if they do, or if they do, they just talk about when Mom was going through the change of life. All I know is I'm never going to have kids or a change of life or anything like that. Because who needs the hassle, you know? Episode number 47 was Bright Waters by John Brown, the story of trapper Jan von Dorn and his magical tattoo. First things first, we apologize for not properly crediting the composers of Istanbul, not Constantinople, when it was mentioned in the intro. As pointed out by a commenter, thank you George S., They Might Be Giants did indeed cover the song, but it was written by Jimmy Kennedy and Nat Simon and first recorded in 1953 by the four lads. As for the story, on the board, Lion Man said, I really liked this story. It flowed well and the voice work was really great. The setting was interesting and detailed enough. If I were going to have to say there was a downside to the story, it was that the description of the fighting scenes got pretty bloody. But gee, let's see, it was a battle. Well done. Quite a number of folks agreed, though some felt that even though they did enjoy the story, the fantasy element could have been stronger. Birdless said, There wasn't anything to suggest to me that the tattoo actually worked on What's-Her-Name. I prefer to think that it didn't. So if that's the case, then the only fantastic part of the story was that it seemed to work on other women he had no interest in. To me, the whole tattoo thing could have been taken out completely and the story wouldn't have gained or lost anything. Cuddlebug was moved to ask, Why is it so often that in fantasy stories the protagonist can only find his-her love after undergoing some magical improvement, be it a love potion, an elixir to make them more beautiful, or make others see their inner beauty, or make them younger or thinner, or in some way overcome their ugliness by doing great deeds or something of the sort? Come on over to forum.escapeartist.info and let us know what you think. PodCastle is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated and is distributed on a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Share it, but don't change it or sell it. Our theme music is by Shiva in Exile. You can find them at magnatune.com. You can discuss this episode of PodCastle or nearly anything else on our forums. Just visit forum.escapeartists.info. And if you like science fiction or horror, be sure to visit our sister podcasts, Escape Pod and Pseudopod. And if you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend, or post to your blog about it, or consider donating via the PayPal link on our site. Melinda M. Marshall said, Motherhood in all its guises and permutations is more art than science. (laughs) 